All right, cool. Yeah. I wanted to <clears throat> welcome everybody to, I guess this is episode number 26 of The Haunted Hacker. Um, do the news real quick and do some housekeeping. Uh, as far as housekeeping goes, I'm going to go ahead and switch over the chat so that you can ask questions, but it's going to come to me during the, uh, during the interview so that there won't be any disruptions. Um, so news, there's been a lot of stuff going on in news, um, kind of overshadowed though, because I woke up today and found out that a friend of mine had passed away last night, um, a huge, huge icon in security, Dan Kaminsky, um, only 42 years old, uh, super smart. Uh, he, uh, made some breakthroughs with DNS security, um, big figure at Black Hat and Con, uh, just, just a really good dude, um, really genuine guy. I got a, a message this morning from um, the, the feed and Robert Hansen had said that he had passed away. So I contacted Robert and uh, nobody knows what happened, but it was pretty abrupt. Um, so I wish Sam the best and, you know, we'll, we'll miss Dan for sure. Um, that's like the second one in six months. I lost friends and security uh, due to untimely death or whatever. So there's definitely issues when it comes to our industry. Um, hopefully, you know, working together, we can get all that hammered out and it won't be an issue anymore. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce our guest for the night, um, which is a good friend of mine from the UK. Uh, can't say enough about her. Um, we all kind of hung out in the same circles in London. All the speakers did. And... Uh, Probably the best attitude and the most sass that you can find in one person and uh, probably the most entrepreneurial and uh, ingenious person I've ever met. Um, Eliza, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit of yourself and we'll go from there. Ah, wicked. Thank you. That was a nice introduction. Um, I'm peeling an orange, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I am the CEO and co-founder of a company called That Security Company with um, one of our core brands being Pocket Seam. You might have heard of us, you might not. You should Google us, we're pretty cool. Um, and I also co-founded the Ladies Hacking Society as well, which is um, a, basically is what it says on the tin. It's a society um, for women that want to learn or practice um, penetration testing and incident response as well. Um, and we pride ourselves on being a technical meetup for women because I'm sure the women that are here can appreciate that a lot of the events that are for women are really crap and they're really um, geared towards the non-technical side and um, soft skills, which is all great, but it shouldn't be the only thing that women present to each other um, in, within the industry. So that's, that's what we're doing about it, basically. Sorry, that's supposed to be an introduction cool. to myself. Um, I'm also a five so, one, and I'm a Pisces. <laughs> yeah, a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, that security company? You know, I've I've been around you guys for a while, and and you guys do some really good stuff. And talk about Pocket Sim a little bit as well for people who don't know. Um, our audience goes from anywhere from people who are ten years old to sixty years old and different levels of uh, technical experience. So feel free to take me on your level, Liza, and uh, explain the Pakistan and, and we'll go from there. I, I love that. I love that your audience is so diverse. Um, it's, it's, nice to, it's nice to have a conversation with people and meet up like this. 
with a bunch of different people's names that I don't recognize. It's really, it's really nice. Um, okay, so myself, my business partner, Stephen Ridgeway, we started, you know, working in the industry. We didn't know each other, obviously. Um, he's got like 20 years experience on me. He's, you know, old hat. He's been, he's been at it years. Really, really talented guy. Um, we developed a lot of personal frustrations with the industry from um, a customer perspective and from a vendor perspective. And we actually met when we worked at an MSSP. And we had this rant conversation about how pissed off we were um, with various different activities in the cybersecurity industry and how um, exploitative it was of companies and people that don't really understand what they need in terms of cyber defense. Um, it still goes on today. Common tactics, I'm sure you'll all know, um, sales tactics and you know tools and language that's used at conferences and whatnot. Um, anyway, this rant that we had turned into a business idea and we were like, fuck it, should we just do this? So long story short, we went our separate ways and then we met up um, a couple of years later and we started that security company. Now, what we were really trying to push at the beginning was purple teaming because I'm sure any of you that have done penetration testing here or have received a penetration testing report can appreciate, I'm sure you can all appreciate the fact that sometimes you can have a really talented penetration tester, but what is done with the information isn't isn't always it's not sorry i'm not explaining this very well the outcome of a penetration test isn't always usable and what is done in order to mitigate and remediate the findings isn't always done in a very um business friendly way or cost friendly way or sometimes it's not done at all so we wanted to do purple teaming because not only do you get that penetration testing and the, the positives that that brings but you also get the um, defense side. So you're upskilling on both sides as well. So, you know, loads and loads of benefits. However, we kept running into this problem where we'd come across companies that didn't have any visibility. They had no logging and monitoring in place. They really wanted purple teaming because it sounded like, you know, fun and really cool, but they wouldn't actually get any benefit from it. So we didn't feel right selling it to them. So we decided to use open source technologies um, to build a transient seam for the duration of a purple team engagement went really well and words got out about it and actually that became a service within itself just deploying a seam technology now we use open source technologies to do it because we can keep the price down i'm sure a lot of you are aware of how expensive seam tools can be um i've worked at companies that are paying like a quarter of a million pounds a year for their seam um so yeah, so we didn't we didn't want to compete on that level. We just, you know, there's companies that are doing a grand job. We didn't want to compete there. What we wanted to do was um, make cyber defense accessible to SMEs, smaller companies, charities, nonprofit sector. Um, so we developed Pocket Seam and branded that as a completely different company within its own right. Um, and yeah, we 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 basically sell the service of deploying, configuring it, and and leaving them alone with it or, or helping them triage alerts. So I'll oh, shut up now. I'll oh, shut up and eat my that's pretty awesome. You, when I first met you, I think that was the very first time that I heard the, the word, um, 
when we left, all we had was red team, blue teams. We didn't even actually like really focus on the purple team. Uh, Is anyone else struggling so to hear Matt? Each... Is that right? Because Mike keeps cutting in and out for me. Yeah, same here. Same here. Okay, cool. So yeah, yeah. Mike, you are cutting Sorry. in and out. It's my connection. Um, I will shut off video for a second and uh, just use audio. Okay, sorry. All right, can, can you, you guys hear me better? Yeah, perfect. Okay, so I had to cut off uh, video so I could just use audio. Anyway, so like I said, the very first time that, that I met you, Eliza, I think uh, that was the first time I'd heard the term purple team, which I thought was really ingenious because when we did pen test here, we would give them the vulnerabilities and, and what we found and, and a full report, but we wouldn't tell them how to mitigate it. We'd tell them how to patch for it, and, and, but we wouldn't give any defense, in-depth defense uh, details about it, which I think was a good move on the industry's part um, to come out with their own like purple team. Uh, I'd like to see more red teams become red and purple altogether. Um, and building a company around that is pretty, pretty cool. So the industry in the UK is, is a lot different and the uh, community is a lot different in the UK. Um, there's very, it's very tight knit group. So I think um, I met Eliza, Greg, Kevin, and a couple other people. And we always seem to run into each other at all the conferences. It's a very active, very active scene in the UK. Um, here, I, I'm not really sure what the deal is as far as like, you know, getting the pulse on the U.S. Uh, cybersecurity industry as far as conferences go and, and communities. Um, we have DEF CON, but, you know, it, not anymore. It kind of faded away. So in the U.K., Eliza, what do you think is the biggest issue with cybersecurity as an industry? Uh, okay, cool. I can answer that one very easily. Um, you might notice it when you were in the country, but... Um, there's a lot of snobbery here. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a class divide anyway, but there is pretty much everywhere on the planet. So that is what it is. Um, mm. But I think in cyber security, a lot of people come from the same backgrounds, um, have largely the same opinions. A lot of them have been to the same unis. Um, and there's not a great deal of diversity there. And I'm not talking about um, sex-based diversity, ethnicity or anything like that. Um, I don't think that it's important. I think that something that is lacking is diversity of thought. So we struggle in this country to step outside of um, the box of opinions, essentially. I've, I worked at a company before that they had people that were disabil had disabilities. There was someone in my team that was physically disabled. They had black people, they had Asian people, Indian people, you know, women, everything but they all went to the same few universities and they all knew each other outside of work. So it was almost like, it was just a bit strange. So you'd go into meetings and you'd be the only person saying, well, actually um, that's not gonna work because X, Y, Z. And they'd not thought of it. Mm. You know, there wasn't any tampon bins or any, just like really random things that every other industry's got right. Um, our industry struggled with and that I think that's a bit of a bit of a strange one but I think um, Mike something you will have probably noticed as well um, not necessarily at conferences but at meetups you do get um, 
a lot of snobbery in terms of other people um, calling each other out on their talks and stuff, which is really weird. So I, I watched this talk um, at an OWASP London event, and this guy did a great job. It was his second language, so you know he did his absolute best, and he, he did a really good job. And it was a really good um, it was a really good talk on um, IoT pen testing. Uh, pretty cool. Um, and there were a bunch of guys there that were shouting out as he was presenting about their spelling mistakes in his talk in in his um presentation bear in mind it was a second language um you know he, he said something that wasn't technically the wider based opinion but it was it was right in a sense i can't remember what it was it got called out for it um i've been called out at conferences before um by uh people that have said do you actually know anything about that topic and you just think well yeah otherwise I wouldn't be fucking talking about it would I but you might maybe you don't know it as well as that person or you know maybe you're talking about python but that person fucking invented python so they're going to call you out on it I think it's just a bit strange there's a lot of snobbery there and then there's the, all these conversations around oh why don't more people talk at events why don't more people get up at meetups and it's probably because it's a bit of a double-edged sword yes it can really do wonders for your confidence and for your career but at the same time um if there's someone in the audience that's just in a bad mood it can really make you feel really vulnerable and I've seen it um around other people I've seen someone give talks and other people ask some questions that aren't relevant to the talk or they've asked them a question that they think is going to make them look like a twat if they answer it. Right, so exactly. That's the and Sorry, it's, it's sad, but that's one thing I tell it's it's really sad, but that's that's one of the um, one of the things I tell people coming into the industry is that with like pen testers and, and ethical hackers, like ego is a big problem. Um, sometimes it's hard to get into a room with all the egos crowding the door, you know, and especially with talks. So that's one thing I've noticed is that, you know, when I, when I gave talks in, in the UK, I never got really any negative feedback. Um, however, I did get put on stage right after somebody who was all about putting, you know, kids in jail for, for supper. I, I just happened that. to follow up right next, you know, right after them. At, and speaking about how I thought they should get a second chance. So, I mean, it, it was a really weird arrangement, but we ended up becoming friends and, and our differences and our opinions definitely were separate. Uh, but we, we see each other's point of view now. Um, but yeah, the, the, the conferences over there are, are really good. Like I had a really good time, but really the grassroots meetups, um, like, uh, like the DEF CON group in uh, London, I think it's DC 44 or something like that. Um, but I had a really good time there, but you, and you're going to run into people who have been in the industry for 20, 30 years and have an ego and you can't tell them they're wrong. You just have to like take it with a grain of salt and just ignore them. Um, and I had to do it's that with horrible. a lot of people, and not just at conferences, but online. Well, that's to the detriment of the wider yeah. industry, isn't it? Like I, this is something I've said for years. It's literally mm -hmm. our job, whether you're on defense or offense, we all work for the same team. It's literally our job to ask the difficult mm -hmm. questions and to be able to be that voice of friction in a company. And when you have yeah. someone that, that they are going against the grain of friction, as in they can't handle it, that they're too fragile to mm -hmm. handle that, that is to the detriment of the industry, to their employer, to the company they work for, or to who they're providing their services to. 
there is no place for ego in this industry. Professional. No, there's absolutely not. Uh, exactly. There's, there's not, there, there really isn't, but unfortunately it just, it doesn't go away. Um, especially with the older guys. I find out a lot with like the older Linux guys. Uh, they, they, te- they, they tend to be like kind of separatists and they like kind of off to the side, but they don't, they don't hesitate to let you know their opinion. Um, which I'm okay with, you know, I've, I've been around for a while and it's, you know, different groups act different ways. But what I found really cool was that the UK was a lot more um, receptive to uh, thinking out of the box as opposed to the US. Like, so some of the thoughts that I have and express it in my talks wouldn't be accepted here for sure. Really? Um, Why do you think uh, that is? Yeah, probably some of the anti, uh, some of it probably has to do with the anti-government stuff. Um, but Again, like the, the whole market here and the, the whole cybersecurity industry is kind of diluted. Uh, and you go to a talk and you kind of hear the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and it's the same buzzwords. It's the same topics. It just gets really old. Um, but that's what, that's what I liked about Europe is I could, you know, come up with my own talk and, and run it by them. And I've never been told no. Um, but my topics tend to be a little bit outside of the, the norm. Um, so have you been doing any speaking lately or, or is it because of the pandemic that kind of slowed down over there or what's going on? No, I've, I've been doing plenty of speaking. There's, there's been uh, loads, I mean, thousands of um, infosec and tech related um, online events. They're not really my thing. I am like a conference, oh, yeah. you know, I, this is, this is cool. I'm enjoying this, but like a conference with, all the different um, virtual stands and stuff. Not really my thing, you know, it's great. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely yeah. awesome. But um, I can't keep concentration um, for that amount of time. Um, but yeah, I've done plenty of those. Um, it's been nice, you know, I've, you know, people have just sort of taken to it. And I think, you know, you asked me what the, the problems were with the industry in this country earlier. But actually, I think one of the benefits is that, um, People do come together and there is a sense of family in the UK cybersecurity industry. So uh, that sounds so Dawson's Creek, doesn't it? What I mean by that is um, people pull together, but at the same time, you could call someone a dick and you could fall out and whatever, and there'll be some spat on Twitter. But then you'd bump into them at a conference and everything's okay, just like family, really. So um, a lot of benefits. But yeah, um, I'm hoping some conferences start up again. I am enjoying being at home, but um, yeah, it'll be nice to bump into people and uh, have a few drinks and, and whatever. Yeah, I, I miss uh, hanging out with uh, you and Greg and, and Kevin. Um, those were some really good times, uh, especially with uh, with Kevin. Kevin's a hoot. Um, lovely. So yeah, like the, the conferences that I've been, yeah, absolutely. The conferences I've been speaking at are, are usually over in the UK. I, I haven't even, I've done one conference here in the US since I've been back. The rest of them have been in the UK. Um, and I've had a really good time doing it. I just did one day before yesterday for the London police, um, at the policing college or something like that. It was, it was a really good conference. And uh, George McLeod and uh, the guys from that place did a really good job. But I miss being over there. I miss, uh, I miss the environment over there and, and the industry. Uh, there are some conference companies that I don't miss um, and some companies in Scotland that I don't miss, but for the most part, the UK is, was really, really good to me. And uh, yeah, it, it gave me my start in speaking for sure. Um, 
So what are you planning on doing for the next year? Like, do you have any more companies you're thinking about starting or is it something you're going to tackle that, that you've been thinking about for a while? Definitely not starting any more companies. My God, I'm so tired. Do you, do you realize how much makeup I had to put on just to look alive? Honestly, no. Um, LHS, that security company, Pocket Seam is almost a business within itself. I am so tired. Um, definitely not starting any more companies. I'm hoping that we can just continue as we are. We've, we've been podding along quite nicely. Uh, we've su survived COVID. We've actually grown. Um, yeah, which is <laughs> phenomenal and great and such mind-blowingly like chill to say that we're a company that started um a year before covid and started actually trading around the time we went into lockdown so that was a that was a bit of a scary time but yeah i'm hoping that we just keep growing um and we just keep plodding along and, and doing well um lhs there's some with ladies hacking society there's some major changes coming there um not something I'm going to be disclosing on here, but that's going to be super cool. So if there's any ladies on this call, feel free to go to llhs.com and um, find out about us, join our Slack channel, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Nothing, nothing majorly exciting. I'm not going to be like jumping out of a plane, doing any bungee jumping. I nearly knocked myself unconscious when I did a right roll holy. Oh, nice. So did you, uh, I, I heard you were getting, you were nominated for some sort of award on the 30th. Is that right? Uh, some non-award award? award? <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Artificial. <laughs> yes, so uh, an artificial unintelligence award. Okay, so I'm sure you all appreciate this, Mike, and I'm sure everyone else will as well. There's so many bullshit awards in, you know, off LinkedIn even, but professionally there's so many awards and they're so stupid. And, you know, there'll be like, oh, the amount of times I get an email saying, oh, someone has nominated you for Cyber Woman of the Year Award. And I think, what a bunch of bollocks that is, Cyber Woman. It's like, oh, you work in cyber and you have a vagina, well done. I think, oh my God. <laughs> In it, we're not women aren't cognitively impaired because they have a vagina that's not how the world works um so i always sure. tell them to go away um sometimes you know they push and push and push and the very odd occasion that i've accepted something and it's never been an award but it might have been like top 50 women in cyber or something i felt really gross afterwards and just like oh i wish i'd have just told them to go away um, so anyway, I, it turns out I'm not the only woman that thinks like that. So um, uh, Amy Stokes, Amy Stokes, Amy Stokes Waters, really, really funny woman. She's also Northern, so that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's started this um, counter movement against that called um, the Unint Artificial Unintelligence Awards. So it's all stupid shit like buzzwords. Um, women in cyber, women with the nicest eyebrows. There's loads of stupid, pointless awards and I'm nominated for a few of them. So it means a lot and I'd like to thank my stylist. <laughs> I actually got nominated for one as well, the, the Facebook. This, uh, this, is, uh, this is not a Facebook award. <laughs> I think I got nominated for that one. You did, you're on the list. 
Oh, man, so it'll be a, it'll be a runoff. <laughs> if if I get it, I'm humbly going to hand it over to you because I, you know, you deserve it on me. Because <laughs> I no, but I'm the very more <laughs> shit posting on LinkedIn than you. <laughs> no, um, I remember the first uh, first award I got nominated for was in the UK, and it was last year. And I get this email, this just awesome email. Oh, you've been nominated, and, and this is great, and you're going to get an award. And the date is this date and, you know, contact me, please. And we need to get you set up. So I call and it was $5,000 per table to even be considered to, to get the award. And I thought, wait a minute, I thought I already won the award. Now I have to buy it. Like I have to pay you money to get an award. So, yeah, like I think that's like bullshit scams. Anyways, it reminds me of the uh, certification industry. I mean, both those industries need to be removed. Um, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're actually more. starting our we're actually starting our own yeah we're actually starting our own certification company. Um, it's going to be the haunted certification deal, and it's not going to cost you three thousand dollars. As a matter of fact, it won't even cost you two hundred dollars. So we're doing super cheap, and it's going to be like a really good exam. Um, so tell us what else is going on. Anything new? I haven't spoken in probably what six months or so. Yeah, it's right before I left. been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this is this is the thing. I feel like such a boring granny because my life is literally. I get out of bed. I love my life. Don't get me wrong. I, I love my life. It's amazing. I get out of bed. I get straight on my laptop. Make sure everyone's working, get on Slack, blah, 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 brush my teeth, get back on there, have a shower, get back on there, have meetings. And then before I know it, it's two o'clock in the morning and I need to go to bed. So my life's not majorly exciting. So that's probably really not a great answer. So I'm sorry about that. I'd be doing a lot more if I had the time. I'm sorry. Okay. I've turned into okay. a granny. So, uh, actually, I hate to tell you this, but I, I became a grandfather two weeks ago. Uh, an actual one. An actual one, yeah. Yeah. I have I a, a baby grandson. Oh, congratulations. I'm old, Eliza. I'm old. old. <laughs> I'm older than Greg and Kevin. You're older than Greg. Anyway, so. Yes. That is old. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Right? He, he listens to this podcast, by the way, too. So <laughs> um, It's fine. Me and him so, do this to each other all the time. Oh, yeah. And Kevin, too. Kevin's a lot of fun to mess with. Um, but that, that just goes to show, like, the, the close-knit security industry over in the UK. Like, we don't have that here. Like, I think I'm close with maybe a handful of security researchers here, and we're all spread out throughout the, the U.S., uh, it's kind of like having a security friend in London and living in Italy. So it's just really frustrating. Um, do we have any questions for Eliza? I'm going to open it up for questions. I think Steve, Steve Watch just jumped on as well. Um, so go ahead and put it into the chat if you have questions. And Eliza, if you have any questions for me, Ryan, or Ghost Exodus, feel free to go ahead and fire them off. Yeah, Ghost of Exodus. Where did that name come from? Ghost. <laughs> I think he's uh, 
he's MIA. He's been having problems with the laptop. Hey. So Ghost, Ghost is actually from, if you go to Darknet Diaries, um, I believe it's episode 70. Um, it's about his experiences in hacking. Um, he's from Texas as well. Uh, but for some reason, his videos is off. He had a ton of issues before. So that question fell. Next question. <laughs> no worries. So, um, so tell me about the American cybersecurity industry then, because I, oh, not the industry, but the community rather, because I just experienced the UK one, which is great. And, you know, there's, there's benefits to everyone sort of knowing each other and then there's negatives to that, but, you know, whatever. It's like a virtual Emmerdale. Um, but, yeah, so tell me about the American side of things, you know, negatives, sure. positives. Oh, sure, there's a lot that goes with it. Um, the U.S. security industry really is uh, very cutthroat. Um, a lot of us researchers are, are really close Uh and the funny thing is, like in London, um, being a security researcher doesn't automatically land you on watch lists. Uh, in the U.S., unfortunately, you become a security researcher, then you're on a lot of lists across the country, oh. um, which hampers like travel. And stuff like that. Uh, it's a big industry. Defcon, um, the last time I went, was sold out, and it was so packed that they had to call the fire department in. Um, so, I mean. It, it's a very large industry, but when you get an industry that large, it's very competitive, very cutthroat. Um, and really, there's probably about 20% of the industry that are close to here in the U.S. Um, a lot of companies pop up, you know, by day, you know, it's just fly-by-night type stuff. Mm. Um, conferences are, are very hard to get to. Uh, for one, you know, usually they're in other states or you know, places like Vegas where it's super expensive. Um, but I, I mean, in all, it's, it's not bad. Uh, some of the people, the, they, they're not as welcoming as the UK crowd. Um, and there's a lot more groups here, like hacking groups and, and penetration testing groups. So to get to know everybody in this industry on this side and, you know, basically be able to go to a, a conference and, and run people that, that, you know, all the time, you have to do it for a while. I mean, it's not, there's a lot of people. Um, and it's very heavily, the, the industry is very heavily dependent on certification, just like the UK. Um, and we've been fighting with this for a while. The, the whole um, entry-level job openings are not really entry-level. No. Um, so that goes back to the whole certification process and, and the failure of the certification industry and all that good stuff. Um, so just little things. Um, I like the people a lot better in the UK as far as the industry goes. Uh, there's, I only have yeah. like, a, like a, yeah, I only have like a few <laughs> good friends here in the U S industry, but UK industry, since I got there, like everybody there was like super welcoming and, and everything I needed, I had. Um, so they're really awesome. I miss, uh, miss the whole, the whole group over there. Um, when yeah, you like that's, that's my, uh, you know, it, it's a good question. Um, I'm still having issues with getting a passport. Uh, I was given a four day. I don't know if you know the story or not about how I got back to the States. Um, no, I was it, talking to you on the uh, phone. Yeah. And then like two days later, I found out you were in the States and I was like, what? Is this guy Doctor Who or what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> how did you get there? Yeah. So I, I was in the hospital when, when, you, when we were talking on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and, and text and 
I was having a seizure. So the one thing in the, in the UK that it's a law is that you can't have epilepsy. So oh, you the what? U.S. embassy was, you, you can't have epilepsy. You can't be epileptic and be indigent, like not be a citizen of the U.K. or London. Um, you have to be, you have to have some, like somewhere that you, you can put an address and, and you have to be a citizen. Because you're um, vulnerable. And so the hospital, oh. yeah, yeah. Okay. So they contacted the embassy and the embassy battled with them on not welcoming me back to the U.S. And the U.K. finally was able to, to get me a four-day passport from the U.S. And the U.S. gave me a plane ticket for the very next day. And I literally left the hospital and jumped on a plane. Um, but the ticket was only good one way and the passport was only good for four days. And the U.S. basically, when I got here, that was it. Um, they were pretty much done with, with me. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of getting another passport um, if the government will allow it. If not, um, we've been looking at other avenues, uh, other countries to get passports through. Um, plus, I'm working for a company, uh, you know, uh, you know, Naveen, uh, Cyber Tree Paradox. Yeah. I'm working on. I'm working on his his team right now, um, and that co- that company's based in uh, Dubai. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, I'll make it back over to the UK. Um, I still want to do a lot of speaking over there, um, and I'm actually going to be doing some stuff with uh, Tony Sales uh, next week, and um, we'll probably be doing some work together. But he was on he was on the podcast not too long ago, and um, he is having us on the conference that is going to be in London next week on the 26th i believe uh it's called we fight fraud something like that yeah anyways so any other questions eliza can i just say speaking of lists um i've got a really Mm. funny story years ago i'm talking years ago i um applied for a job at i think it was gchq or it might have been the nca but i can't remember because i think i applied for them both at the same time and I didn't hear back, I didn't hear back, and blah, blah, blah. And then I got this phone call saying, um, and I'm not sure which one it was, but it was GCHQ or NCA, um, saying, we are really concerned about your application. Um, you, there is a question on page so-and-so that says, um, are you a member of any known, are you affiliated with any known terrorist organisations? Something like that. And I said, yes. And I was like, I did I really? I said yes. Did I really? And then I had, I had a, like they sent me, they emailed me a screenshot, and I literally ticked yes, and I'd checked it, double checked it, triple checked it, and those application forms are like seventy pages long. They are stupid. They are so so long to complete. And so yeah, I think I might have ended up on a list myself because I actually said that I was affiliated with a known terrorist organization. So I you're can't you're a terrorist. And it, well, I am kind of. <laughs> right? I like to terrorize people. Oh. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I almost walked into GCHQ. Um, it was wasn't long ago. They're over in Vauxhall, and uh, right across the street from the London Met Police, like Caddy Corner. And I got off the uh, the train and was, I was supposed to have a meeting with London police. And it was my first meeting at the Vauxhall location. And I walked into the gates of, of GCHQ and I was like, yeah, I'm here for a meeting, you know, and I guess it was like one o'clock and 
And the guy's like, well, do you have a, you know, a name? And I was like, yeah. So I gave him the policeman's name. He's like, I don't, I don't recognize that name. We can't find anything on the books. You know, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm positive. Just let me find the office. And they were literally about to let me walk into the building. But <laughs> then the guy mentioned, he goes, well, this is GCHQ. Are, are you looking for the Met police? And I was like, yeah, I, I thought this was. And he was like, no, it's across the street. So yeah, it was a uh, pretty funny, but they, I mean, <laughs> they were ready to walk me into the door. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, oh my goodness. So I am. Um, I, I was going to say I, I managed to actually walk into. I won't say the name of them, but a, a really one of the world's largest defense companies, um, because some guy who came out the front for a cigarette just opened the door to let me in because he was obviously a gentleman. Um, yeah, and I walked straight mm-hmm. in, and my friend happened to work there, and she was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, get out." <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, nice, nice, very nice. Um, yeah, I don't have any questions myself. Ryan, do you have any questions for Eliza? No, I'm good, man. That's all good. Cool, cool. Anybody else? Uh, I see Steve is still in here. Steve, do you have any questions? I don't think anyone's listening because I think they're, they're they, hiding. They're all hiding. I mean, my accent is really annoying. Here's a bag of oranges. <laughs> the oranges are good, actually. Yeah, I've eaten like um, three while I've been on this call. So I guess it's about it. Um, I'm glad that you uh, finally made onto the podcast. I don't know how often you talk to Lisa, but tell Lisa she still owes me an interview podcast. So I've been waiting for four or five months. I've never now. met Lisa. I've never met her. Everybody else is no. Every everybody else has been on. Greg's been on. Kevin's been on. Um, who else? A lot of the, the London crowd. And as, as a matter of fact, a lot of people who went to the London conferences are actually on the call right now and in the uh, the Discord. So you're welcome anytime into the Discord and welcome back anytime to the podcast. Thank you. Um, and maybe, huh? I said thank you. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and close it down. And, uh, you know, thank you for everybody who shows shows up every week. This is our 26th straight episode. I've been doing this every Saturday for 26 weeks. It's busy. Um, but this has become like my second family, which is really awesome. So you guys have a good weekend. Eliza, hopefully I'll see you soon. Tell everybody in London I said hello and uh, talk to you soon. All right. I'll speak to you later. Bye. Cheers.